You're listening to the Regent College Podcast. Welcome to the Regent College Podcast. I'm Claire Perini and today we're talking about the Puritans and their contribution to Christianity. I'm joined by Dr. Cindy Alders, who's the Library Director of the John Richard Allison Library here at Regent and Assistant Professor of the History of Christianity. She's recently completed her doctoral studies at the University of Oxford, where she focused her research on the spiritual lives and manuscript cultures of 18th century British women. It's fascinating. You should ask her about it sometime. And I'm also joined by Jenny DeClerc, who's doing a PhD at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Missouri, and he's going to be writing her dissertation on the Puritans. So I feel like you're a good addition to this podcast here, Jenny. This is good. Um, and she hopes she's also working as a Puritan project assistant here at Regent. And she's helping the college acquire new books, preserving the books that we have, and doing research with our books and helping others do research on those books as well. And she's even got an Instagram account called Puritan Jenny. Legit. She's a legit Puritan follower. So, Jen Lynn and Cindy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Claire. Yeah, thanks for having us. Now, you know, these, these two are library folk. <laughs> who like to find themselves in the library. So to be sitting in front of microphones is not their most favourite way to spend an afternoon. Uh, no. Yeah, but they're here and we're glad you are. <laughs> but let's, so let's start with an easy question. Who were the Puritans? I'll take this one. Uh, the Puritans were basically a group of pastors and lay people in the 17th century who wanted to further reform in the Church of England. So they wanted to get rid of kind of what they perceived as leftovers of Roman Catholicism. Um, And so they kind of looked back to the first Protestant reformers and said, they did a great job, we were on the right track, but then things kind of went wrong, uh, uh, got complicated um, with Queen Mary and you know, things didn't really turn out the way they thought it should. So uh, they were trying to bring about reform. Uh, Eventually, they would get, most of them would get kicked out of the Church of England um, in what we call today as the Great Ejection. So over 2,000, yeah, (laughs) it's it's pretty intense. Uh, But yeah, it's intense because literally like over 2,000 of them were kicked out um, and they couldn't do the ministry that they were doing before. Um, But it's also important to add that even though they were trying to get rid of things um, and calling for reform, they uh, also positively promoted a lot of stuff. So they wanted to bring reform by focusing on the Bible and applying the Bible to everyday life and things like that. So Mm. um, even though they were against a lot of things, it's not, that's not the whole picture, not totally accurate. Uh, They were pushing Mm. for lots of good things and focusing on the positive as well. Mm. Thanks. Great, great explanation. How, how would we, you sort of, you sort of touched on this a little bit in what you've said there, but how have we seen the Puritans kind of contribute um, to the story of Christian history? Where have they where have they been helpful? Where have we where have we gained from them? How have they contributed to that story? Right. So usually when um, people have asked me this question in the past, I like to say that they weren't special in the sense that they were just Orthodox Christians. They were just normal. So there's, you know, uh, in that sense, they weren't adding anything. But they do stand out. If we look at them as a group and we kind of look at, like, all of their writings overall, um, they stand out for their experimental piety or like practical holiness. So they were really into, let's figure out what the Bible says about everything and apply it to every part of the Christian life, um, Mm -hmm. which is 
a complex thing. So mm. um, lots of people have interpreted that as nitpicking or like being too meticulous about stuff but they meant it in a positive way Um, and one of my favorite uh, ways that I've heard this explained um, is at the end of his introduction in his one probably his most famous book on the pure Dr. Packer's most famous book on the Puritans um, quest for godliness he says that they weren't so much about Getting, keeping all of the bad stuff out, but getting all of the good stuff in. Mm. So they wanted to really love God with everything they had and really know God and really love other people um, and actually uh, apply holiness to every part of their lives. Um, mm. So that's kind of something that they stand out for. And you can even see it, you know, that might sound a little bit pie in the sky, but it's really obvious if you just picked up one of their books and started looking through it. Um, because they usually start off with, in their sermons or like their little devotional books, they'll start off with a passage that they want to talk about or a defi- a really good definition of um the topic that they are trying to explain. And then at the very end, they'll they'll do something and talk about the use of this doctrine. That's what they call it. And mm-hmm. what they mean by that is, how do I use this for my life? Or how do I apply this to the Christian life? Mm-hmm. So... Can you can you give us a few names of some Puritans just so we right. kind of if you've not if you're like oh that's a group oh, of people right. I don't know yeah just yeah give me a, just throw out a couple <laughs> of names a lot that of we them. might associate um, with the Puritans probably most have heard of John Bunyan because of Pilgrim's Progress um, John Owen might be a familiar name Richard Baxter uh, those are probably some of the most well known were there any um, women off the top of my head Puritans? there were um, <laughs> which I'm happy to say just over the last year. As I've been working in this job, we've been trying to find some rare books that we can add that were written by Puritan women, and I didn't really know what I was going to find because I hadn't even gone down that avenue in my own research, like on a personal level. Um, But there were lots. My favorite is Anne Bradstreet, uh, who wrote poetry and Mm. letters. and yeah, so they're great. Mm, Great, thanks. That's good. That's just helpful to have some sort of names. Yeah, for sure. Um, So we've you sort of started to say as well. In your research here, like these things about rare books, mm-hmm. how did our library here at Regent come to acquire all of these kind of rare, really, really, really old <laughs> books, of oh, Puritan books in particular? Yeah. Um, I'll take this one. You can contribute, Jen. Uh, the core of the collection was donated um, by... Uh, or sorry, from the personal collections of Jim Houston and J.I. Packer, and I think this uh, dates from 1994. Is that right, Jen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from 1994. They donated from their own collection some very beautiful books. Um, and then, quite separately, we received another significant donation of antiquarian books uh, that contained quite a few Puritan titles as well. Um, this is the excellently named Heaven Collection, it's down in our mm. rare book vault. <laughs> <laughs> um, heaven is named after the donor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since then, we've been really fortunate in the library to have a generous donor who loves the Puritans as much as um, Dr. Packer and Dr. Houston do. And so he's continued to provide funds for further collecting. And mm. it's been a lot of fun to 
to use those funds. Yeah. <laughs> Cindy, Cindy, like, gets so excited when there's, like, an old book that comes into reception. How do you find it's them? true. How do you find these books? Where do you, where do you look? Well, Jen and I had fun last November at uh, an antiquarian book fair. So we spent two days in Boston um, talking with antiquarian book dealers about what we were looking for and seeing what they'd brought to to the fair. And um, we spent quite a bit of time getting to know some of them who are now actively on the lookout for things that, that would be uh, good additions for our collection. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there are particular books that... Uh, we want to target um, for purchase, and so then I call Jen in, and <laughs> <laughs> she works her magic. Do you want to add some more about that? Yeah, it's it's actually pretty easy these days because most dealers um, are acquainted with the internet, so they'll they'll put up like tons of information about all the books they have. Um, so there's some really good websites you can find certain dealers' websites, but then there are also websites that pretty much all the dealers know about and they submit their information to. So it's really easy to search for things. Right. Um, So yeah, it's, it's not as hard as it seems odd unless you've done it and it's pretty easy. (laughs) Yeah. There's still something about being like on the ground with the dealers, right? right? Like the the personal relationships Mm -hmm. um, that can develop and also the um, discounts you can get. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. And meeting, meeting interesting people. Yes. Oh my goodness. Have you done a little bit of haggling over book prices? Oh man. It's been kind of fun. (laughs) Um, And not everybody is on the internet. So there is the infamous or famous Colonel Underwood. Colonel Underwood. Yep. In London. (laughs) Cool. uh, Yeah. 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 You need to go to London and visit his home and then he'll sell you some books. <laughs> and so why, like, why collect rare books? Like, why why not um, be reading a PDF of the same words mm-hmm. or, or a, like a, a, you know, a modern a, reprint a modern, or yeah, something? Yeah, reprint or something. Yeah. And, yeah, Cindy, you love old manuscripts and books and everything. I do. Why? So, yeah. But why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think that there's something about working with antiquarian books that brings you that much closer to the time in which it was written um, and to the author, uh, him or herself. Um, I think that you have uh, you can gain a, a better appreciation for content or context. Right, it brings you that much closer to the author and the time. Um, and there are also some physical clues in books that uh, tell us things about um, how the books are read and who read the books. So sometimes this is in the form of inscriptions in books. You can see that, um, you know, somebody owned it uh, the year that it was published. And they would inscribe it, you know, first name, last name, I don't know, John Bishop or something. Um, His book... 1648, right? And then uh, b- below that might be somebody else's name, um, her book, uh, 1694. And you can see that sort of the passage of book of the book that's been treasured and passed down through generations. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also see something of how people read antiquarian books by the marks other than inscriptions that they leave on the pages. So marginal notes um, are something that I'm always drawn to. Like, how did they uh, did they write notes um, beside 
beside passages and um, how did how did they interact with the text on the page? Um, one of the things that Jen and I love to find in um, in rare books are they're called manicules, but it's like it's a finger pointing at uh, a bit of the text, right? That's been meticulously drawn out by the reader. Um, I mean, we've seen manicules with uh, ruffled sleeve edges, right? Like these are these are quite little artistic things on their own. Drawn on. I think because sometimes yeah. you see them like on a stamp or something like that. No, well, these, are that drawn, these are drawn on, right. in each one separately, mm-hmm. you know. It's a very um, labor-intensive sort of 17th century version of a post-it note now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've found, um, oh, in our, our beautiful old, uh, very early edition of Pil- Pilgrim's Progress, we've found um, a pressed flower that looks like it's been there for centuries and um, could turn to dust at any moment, and I hope that it doesn't. So I don't know. I just wonder, like, where was this book when it was being read? Who pressed that flower right there mm. and why? Um, but we found some, like, fabulous marginalia. Jen's done some work on that. Can, do you have, like, do you remember, I don't know, some favorite marginalia you found? It was the oh, birth man. announcement. Um yeah, my favorite one was kind of depressing. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, well, okay. I don't know if I should share it, but it was there was kind of this section about dying, mm. and then somebody had written a poem about death and kind of like the fear of death. But anyways, mm. I thought that was special because sometimes, um, you know, you can find personalized things, but they still feel a little distant. But then reading. Yeah. This kind of like impromptu poem was really deep yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of more personal than some of the other things. So that was my favorite thing, even yeah. though it's kind of kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is sad. But you can tell that this person, the, the reader, was attending so carefully to the text. Yeah, exactly. And um, like their heart was yeah. also in their reading of mm-hmm. it. It wasn't just an intellectual mm-hmm. um, uh, sort of engagement. Um, and I think that that I think that is what I sort of value. Part of what I value about antiquarian books, um, yeah, because it, it's easy in our very fast-paced kind of culture um, to read a reprint edition of some of these texts and um, not spend the time to sort of transport yourself to mm. the time in which it was written. Um, yeah, but all of these things are, are sort of they. Uh, they bridge, I think, what might seem like no gap at all or just a, a huge gap, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And presumably, too, um, when someone's writing something and they're saying, oh, this is important, mm-hmm. it's clearly giving you an insight as well, I imagine, into what, what were people at this point in time, yeah. So yeah. Not, you know, not that you can generalise from one person, but there was something about this way of thinking yeah. or mm-hmm. this yeah. type of understanding of who God is yeah. that, that, was, that was appealing or that was fresh or that was, you know, that was important, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in that sort of mm-hmm. sense as well, helping to understand their spiritual lives as well, which is yeah. like your yeah. dissertation is looking at lots of that sort of thing, making yeah. me think of that. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And so we're, we're having a conference here at Regent in June? July. July. July 13th and 14th, Claire. Okay, sorry, July 13th <laughs> and 14th. Um, why? Why are we having this conference on the Puritans Yeah. on July 13th and 14th? July. 
<laughs> We've been collecting Puritan texts for a good long while now. And, um, and I mean, part of what I, part of my dream for the Puritan books that we have is that they, um, they're used uh, as a vital part of the intellectual and spiritual life of Regent, like they inform mm -hmm. um, the life of Regent here. Um, so I want them to be read. Um, they're stored in a climate-controlled sort of vault right now, and it, it's easy for people not to know that they're there. Um, so Jen's been doing a lot of work um, in in sort of bringing them to light within the community here and and beyond with her Instagram account, um, Puritan Jenny. That's Puritan Jenny. <laughs> uh, sorry, just side note, Jenny. Are you a Puritan? You've been asked this question before. Are you a Puritan? I mean, I want to say yes, <laughs> but Instagram that would account. probably be historically inaccurate. So. <laughs> I think. Um, it would be proper to say that Paul Spilsbury at a lunch coined the phrase neo-Puritan, mm. and I would love to take that one. <laughs> but I'm not a Puritan, if, no, we're, right. being, if we're being technical. <laughs> has, has anybody ever asked you if you're a Puritan? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My mom once asked me. Yeah. <laughs> a couple people of church at church have asked me. Usually if they haven't learned something about church history, they just don't know that they're kind of different groups of Christians, and we call them different things, and... Mm -hmm. And things like that. But if you want to call me a Puritan, I'm not gonna. She'll smile. Not gonna yeah, say no. You'll your that on. <laughs> Just um, little quick side note: Is Dr. Packer a Puritan? <laughs> um, <laughs> again, same kind of the same answer as to am I a Puritan? <laughs> if you know, if I was at. If I was writing a paper right now or submitting an article or at an academic conference, I would say no, <laughs> just because most. Uh, scholars would probably want to start Puritanism like at the reign of Queen Elizabeth and end it at like the act of toleration. So they, mm. some wouldn't even want to go as far as Jonathan Edwards or Charles Spurgeon or anything like that. <laughs> so nowhere near. But uh, in terms of you know, if we're if we can loosen up a little bit, <laughs> not you know, if we're just chatting about it for fun and talking about theology and life, um, then yeah, I think that's fair to say. He's referred to himself as kind of like a modern day Puritan, and he is super unashamed <laughs> about promoting what they believed and trying to live it out and apply it to our context, mm. our context today. So. Mm. <laughs> Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> Classic academic answer there. Well, yes it's not well. that, yeah. but it is that. But it's yeah. Not. yeah. <laughs> that was a little side note. Sorry, back to the conference. Right. Um, so, yeah, what we're trying to do is um, have it be um, an active, like, live part of, of Regent again. And, and I say again because we have a, a rich heritage of, of the Puritans being important to the life of Regent. Mm -hmm. So right from the earliest years with um, Jay Packer and Jim Houston and uh, their teaching, um, I think that it's uh, some of the emphases of the Puritans have, have like, they're woven right through the history of Regent. Um, and, I, and I just, 
don't want them to sort of languish unread um, and really well protected, right? <laughs> but unread <laughs> in that vault. Um, so we're having this conference as a way to sort of showcase what we have. Um, we've invited eight scholars from across the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. These are these are really top scholars um, of Puritan studies, and um, we've asked them to choose one book each from our collection and to bring their own area of academic expertise to it and present. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to be uh, a really rich um, intellectual experience, but also spiritual mm-hmm. as well. I think it's going to be accessible, um, but also satisfy uh, you know the PhD students in the crowd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, and we've had some great um, response already to mm. to our advertising. Mm. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a, a couple of perhaps some of the people that will be speaking and some of the texts that they might be speaking on? Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, one of my favorite people, Maxine Hancock, <laughs> who, was, um, who was a faculty member here some years ago, she is coming to speak on... Uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, which she, um, some years ago, wrote her PhD dissertation on. So she really is an expert on on Pilgrim's Progress. Mm-hmm. She's uh, presenting on the second part of it, um, which features some female characters, mm-hmm. um, which I think is going to be very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Coffey is coming from the University of Leicester, um, and he... Oh, Jen, you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation. He is speaking oh, on I'm Baxter's... I'm not sure if I'll pronounce it right. <laughs> Reliquiae Baxteriidae. Anyways, yeah, Baxter's totally autobiography. Bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which he's doing some work on sort of the, uh, the new sort of definitive edition mm-hmm. um, of that. Uh, Johanna Harris is coming from the University of Exeter. And um, she... What is she speaking on? Um, is coming back to me, Johanna. Uh, Joseph Aline's Christian Letters, full of spiritual instructions, which I think is going to be great. I met Johanna at a conference in Oxford um, and where she was speaking about Puritan women's letters mm-hmm. at the time. And so when I began to think about this conference, I thought, oh, Johanna would be perfect because I, I really enjoyed her and um, really enjoyed her work uh, on that paper and in the books that um, she's participated in. And it was only after that, actually, that um, once I invited her, uh, she wrote back a wonderful email accepting the invitation very warmly and saying that she'd known about Regent for years. And um, in fact, it was Jay Packer back in his Oxford days who had introduced the Puritans to her grandfather, oh, no way. Who, um, <laughs> who introduced the Puritans to his son. Um, and both of them developed academic careers that had to do with the Puritans. And then his son introduced the Puritans to Johanna, um, and she's made an academic career of this as well. So she is very excited to to come here Mm. and Mm. meet J.I. Packer, amongst many other things. (laughs) Yeah, 
It was wonderful to hear that story. Mm-hmm. Lee Gatiss is coming from Cambridge, and he's going to be uh, speaking on John Owen. He's going to be speaking on a commentary on Hebrews, which he tells us is more than twice as long as the entire Bible, this commentary. Mm. Um, yeah. So Lee has spent some time with us before, and he loves his Puritans, and, uh, <laughs> and he's really fun, too. Um, we're excited to invite David Hall, to have David Hall coming to, to speak as well. He is a professor emeritus um, and really a leading expert on the Puritans, Pro- professor emeritus at Harvard Divinity School. Um, senior scholar. He's going to be talking about Thomas Shepard's Parable of the Ten Virgins. Be exciting to have him here. And Tom Schwanda is coming from Wheaton um, to present on Isaac Ambrose's Media. The book is called Media. Um, the means, duties, ordinances, both secret, private, and public for a continuance and increase of a godly life. That's sort of a you know, classic mm-hmm. old title. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> nice and long. Like, doesn't Very quite fit on the spine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And um, we've actually invited Tom to teach a course on Puritan spirituality that leads up to hmm. the conference. So, hmm. so that's great. He's going to do that. I'm going to go in there and give a little lecture as well. Oh, great. Hmm. One or two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Uh, Adrian Weimer is um, also coming. Uh, I think that she was a student of David Hall's at Harvard, and she's presenting on Thomas Cobbett's A Practical Discourse of Prayer, Hmm. which was published in 1654. And and then Paul Lim, who's coming from Vanderbilt, um, he's going to be presenting a little bit differently. So he's presenting um, Thomas Akempis's imitation of Christ, but specifically how the Puritans read Kempis. Um, yeah, so so he'll be working from yeah. um, the text um, that was published in Oxford, uh, I think it's 1639, I don't know, do you remember, Jen? 1639, I think so, um, that Go the Puritans it. would have used. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Great, thanks. That sounds like, and as you say, it's going to be an academically kind of rigorous exploration of these things. But don't, you know, but, I don't want people to be scared away. Well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly, not to be scared away by that, but also hopefully a spiritually rich experience that would help will help us think about that, the impact of the Puritans on our own spirituality mm-hmm. and perhaps our own practice of faith. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's kind of where I would want our final question to be is why do they matter for us? Why does the Puritans and their understanding of... Um, the Christian faith, their understanding of the scriptures, their understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Why does it matter for us? Um, I'll take this one. Um, We could probably say a lot of like general things about why study Christians from the past, because, you know, it helps you evaluate how you've been influenced by your own context and maybe things that you've missed and you don't know about and all these other Christians have uncovered. So aside from that general stuff, hopefully it's okay to share a personal experience, but I was trying to think, you know, what has it meant to me? Because we could say so many things and take it in so many, take that question in so many directions. Um, and the reason that I started reading the Puritans was because um, 
I just found that some of my questions about the Christian life weren't being answered from other things that I was reading. And so what I think that they can bring to us is because they're so energetic about theory and practice, they never let one of those things take the wayside, um, that they can really help us, I guess, beef up our spiritual lives um, Mm -hmm. and think really deeply about those things because that's kind of what they majored on. Um, And so... uh, positively that has helped me kind of create frameworks for how do I understand these different parts of the Christian life and my life and and how do I understand God and such big complicated Mm. concepts Um, and then also on the other hand they've really helped me uh, deal with problems in my life and so that sounds kind of negative but I mean it in a good way um, because they were so um excited about sanctification, uh, that they really dealt with lots of sin issues, whether it's your sin or someone else's sin, or there's some problem in your life that's been caused by something. Um, they're really good at dealing with that. And I found that when I started reading them to get help with those things in my life, I was finding answers that I just wasn't finding elsewhere, even about things that maybe weren't super categories for them. So like for things with anxiety and depression. Those are those are such big questions. Um, mm-hmm. And there's not necessarily one way to answer that because you'll, you'll change over your lifetime and mm-hmm. uh, um, you'll encounter different issues. Uh, but because they were so meticulous about applying the Bible to so many different situations, you're, you're probably going to find some suggestion or recommendation or reflection from their own life or something like that in what they wrote. So mm. I think that that um, is really valuable, um, you know, especially for people who just maybe have really big questions about their own life, mm. their own spiritual health, um, and things like that. Mm. Jenny Lynn and Cindy, if you want to answer this, you just... Who's your favourite? <laughs> Don't geek out. Um, <laughs> well, it's a bit cliche for me to say John Owen because everybody says John Owen is their favourite. But I don't yeah, think everybody he's. Says that, no. Well, I don't know. I maybe it's because I read Doctor Packer all the time, and okay. Owen is oh, okay. Owen is his favorite. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, is Jared yeah. Packer your favorite? Jared Packer is also my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> he is my favorite living theologian, and Owen is I don't know maybe Owen's my other favorite theologian. But um, what is it exactly? What is it about? Um, I think he. A lot of people say that Owen is hard to read, which is true. Um, but what I love about him is he really turns over every stone. So for some people, they don't like that. (laughs) And they think that it's just like dragging out this topic, you know, on and on and on. But I personally love that. I feel like he deals with things super in depth. Um, and I think maybe just another part of it is he was the first one I read. So, you know, it's kind of, you just have good memories of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Good, that's a great answer. Jeanlyn, you've done lots of deep academic study on the Puritans and, um, Cindy, you've sort of alluded to this and it would be good to hear a little bit more from you about this, but um, these are not just books and artefacts and old people that need to be preserved, but they actually need to be read. Yeah. Um, why? And where if, if you're someone like me who hasn't read much, 
uh, or who has been piqued, their interest has been piqued by mm-hmm. this conversation, where might be a good place to start? But why don't you why don't you answer why why would we read them? And yeah, I do want to add that we don't collect rare books um, just to keep them safely hidden away um, in the dark in a climate controlled vault. Um, because I really believe that books are meant to be read and studied, and um, that includes antiquarian rare books. Um, so for any students listening or alums who come to visit or really anybody who, um, who finds himself at Regent, you're most welcome to read these beautiful books, um, and I hope that you will. Um, after I give you a short lesson on how to read <laughs> a beautiful old book because uh, there are ways to handle them <laughs> that gloves. help preserve them. Are there gloves involved? No, no actually gloves involved. no gloves involved, mm. yes. But there are things like book cradles and book snakes that are involved. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And don't come near one with a pen. Oh, yeah. no way. Don't yeah. be doing your own marginalia. Let's just say that much. <laughs> Let's just say it. that. Let's just say that right up front. Um, <laughs> um, and so, and then what about a place to start? Um, to Yeah, as Sydney's saying, these are meant to be read. In terms of reading the Puritans? Yeah, mm-hmm. in terms of reading the Puritans. I think... Uh, yeah. um, I think that probably if you want the most enjoyable experience, you should just try to find something on a topic that interests you. They've written so much, and, you know, with Google you can find anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would encourage somebody to just say, well, what do you want to learn about or what is a question you have about the Christian life or something? But um, three books come to mind for different reasons. One of them is Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress just because it's a story, so anybody can read it. Um, There's... Lots of even abridged versions. There's a kid's picture book version that I once taught at a Sunday school. So it's really accessible um, and totally worth it. Like, it's a classic for a reason. So many Christians love that book. Um, The second one that comes to mind is... uh, Baxter's Christian Directory, which you don't, it's huge. You're not going to read it (laughs) all the way through. It's more of like a reference type of book. But it's kind of him answering asking questions and answering questions about the Christian life. So it's really easy to like find a section where you're like, oh, I want to learn about relationships with other people. Then you find that section and then there's tons of Q&A where you can just start reading and stop reading anytime you want. So that's another like easy, you know, Mm. doesn't take, you don't have to know a ton about the Puritans to understand that or anything. Uh, But my personal favorite, (laughs) which I'm always a little bit weary to suggest because I know that Owen is so hard to read, but uh, Owen's book on communion with God um, is basically about how we relate to God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and what are those things characterized by. So um, he talks about the Father's love, the Son's grace, and the Spirit's comfort. And it's so, it's like a life changer. (laughs) Uh, I kind of went into that book thinking like, oh, I know lots about God's love. (laughs) It totally blew me away. But that being said, um, it can be easy to get frustrated with Owen. So <laughs> I wouldn't want to pressure someone into mm. making them read it if they weren't totally jiving with it. <laughs> Fair enough. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Jan and Cindy, thanks so much for your time and for your fascination and ability to communicate the life of the Puritans. <laughs> thanks. You're thanks welcome. for having us. Thanks, Claire. 
Thanks for listening to the Regent College Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit regent.net. That's R-G-N-T dot net.